In the final episode of 2022, we're in conversation with Patrick O'Sullivan, Head of Creative Learning at Mayflower and Mass Theatres in Southampton. Patrick talks to us about his strategic role, leading his 13-strong team who make up the Engage team, facilitating theatre engagement projects for youth, schools and community across Southampton. Patrick is driven by a passion for giving a voice to those with ideas. And for us at Open Drama UK, we are thrilled to be collaborating with him on our face-to-face conference in January 2023. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, this is the Open Drama Half Hour Call podcast. And I'm your host today, Carl Dennington. I'm a head of drama in Dorset and the Dorset champion for Open Drama. And today I'm talking to Patrick O'Sullivan, who is the head of creative learning at the Mayflower Theatre Southampton and Mars Studios Southampton. Patrick, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Carly. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really well, really well. Well, Patrick, tell us a little bit more about your role as head of creative learning at Mayflower Mast. Yeah, so I'm um, just five months into the job down here. Uh, I've come from doing five years in the West End with Mousetrap Theatre Projects, a really wonderful charity uh, working in London. Um, So pretty new to the role. Um, One thing that really drew me, uh, you know, was really kind of exciting to to come down here was really how education, creative learning, participation is really at the heart of everything we do down here in Southampton. I manage a a team of 13 people who all work for uh, Engage, which is the name of the department down here. So that alone tells you the amount of investment uh, into the building. When I heard that the first time, I was really flabbergasted. Uh, Years ago, I worked for a venue in in Hornchurch and there was always two of us. So to have a team of 13, I was like, wow, like, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't um, really hear that unless you're working for the National Theatre or the RSC. Um, and yeah, so basically I lead a team of 13 people uh, and we uh, drive um, participants towards uh, our, two, our two venues. So some of it is bringing those participants into the venue to work with us. And then uh, some of it might be outreach, us working out in the community. So we work with all ages. We've got a schools program. We've got a big youth theatre program. Um, we have got a participation program for adults and we have a community program that we work with various different community groups. So my job is really to um, create the vision. I'm currently writing the next three year business strategy. So um, it's looking at uh, all the areas we work and and really trying to bring more people into the venue who might not consider drama or theatre as something for them, something that's I'm I'm really passionate about. Um, But also like not forgetting about the ones who are already engaged and uh, and keeping them engaged. And then there's lots of different strands, you know, a lot of it is about developing talent for those who who might want to enter the industry. But also, as as, as we know, Carl, you know, taking part in drama and theatre education it, you know, just can really enhance your life and your well-being. Um, and, you know, it's really important that we also put a lens on that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So having such a big team must be such a huge advantage uh, for you to have so many passionate people that uh, have different areas that they're focusing on. 
Um, what challenges have you faced since uh, arriving in uh, Southampton? Yeah, I think personally, I, you know, arrived working for, as I mentioned, for a charity called Mousetrap Theatre Projects. That was 13 people in the in the whole charity. It was a small charity, but with a very big reach and it engaged young people from disadvantaged backgrounds with the West End offer. Um, but it was very much a very small, tight knit, close team. Everybody kind of knew each other. Uh, and then to come down here to a massive juggernaut of Mayflower Theatre itself, which is a, uh, over 2000 seats, a massive big um, presenting house taking number one West End tours with over 200 staff in the building. And um, that was a bit overwhelming. And then not only that, we have a second venue, Mass Mayflower Studios, uh, that has three different theatre spaces and also has a kind of very different feel and a very different um, kind of outreach. It's more of a community hub. So the biggest challenge was really just trying to understand this massive, big organization, um, you know, trying to get to grips with the internal processes, but also like, you know, being a senior leader down here is also trying to understand what's the vision you know, there has already been amazing work that has taken place. And it's really important that I, I didn't come down here and have a ground zero approach. Um, I spoke to a lot of my staff about evolution, not revolution. So it's really on building, you know, the excellent work that has already taken place and really building on that then um, moving into the future. So I think, yeah, the biggest challenge was the size of it, trying to, trying to understand it. Also, you know, trying to understand my team, get to know them on a personal level, but also, you know, um, yes, setting a vision, but allowing their voices also to be heard within that. And they feel that they've got ownership in the work that they're also making. Are you enjoying the job so far? Yeah, I, I really am enjoying it. I suppose, like, for me, my career has kind of led me to this point where, um, you know, to become a senior leader um, and, you know, I suppose like back when you were, you know, working in venues and you'd have frustrations, why are we doing that? Why are we doing, you know, and you'd be whispers in corners where now I'm totally responsible for it, you know. Um, and what I've tried to do is just learn the lessons from good experiences I've had in the past um, being as part of a team. And my my thing has always been around you know, having a voice for ideas or giving a voice for ideas. And I was lucky that, you know, I have worked with some people who really respected me for that and really allowed me to grow within the organization um, and learn about the world of participatory arts, what's it about. And, and we have a great team down here and um, some are more experienced than others. But my big thing really is allowing them to have a voice and for them to feel passionate about what they were doing and I think for anyone who works in, in in our line of work is really about you know making a difference and and understanding that you can make a difference and you can change people's lives for the better um, and I you know so I am enjoying the fact that like I am now responsible for that I am now encouraging um, other people to have a voice in that and help shape the cultural climate uh, in a city. We're the only mover and shaker in town. There's no other theatre venue. Um, so that's really good. And I, th I think we have a real responsibility to the people of Southampton and the surrounding areas. Um, you know, um, it's, you know, both are charities and, and therefore we have real charitable aims that we need to be serving our, our, our public. And, and 
allowing them all to access the wonderful theatre offers there are in the city. That's that's number one for me. And um, when I first came down here, those were the initiatives I brought in straight away. Um, was it a theatre ticket offer for people from low socioeconomic backgrounds? Like, you know, like May Mayflower is, is priced quite well. You know, it's not as expensive as the West End, but there are West End shows, but it's still really expensive for some people. So I did straight away introduce a ticket initiative where people could access the, the theatre for £7.50 a ticket. And it, it was through a referral service. And that's, that you know, that's really front and centre for me, especially I think having worked for Mousetrap Theatre Projects, where that is their core mission really is about access to theatre and a lot of the projects that I am working on at the moment is all around that access so a second initiative is a, a free actor training initiative for um, 16 uh, plus and these are for young people from underrepresented backgrounds who may want to enter the theatre industry as a performer and we've just uh, it's just been agreed that we were going to invest £30,000 in 15 young people to take part in a really intense actor training programme over two years that has real tight links with the uh, drama schools. So I have a, a good established relationship with the Federation of Drama Schools and the chair of it, Sean McNamara, who's currently leading LIPA. He was at Guildford School of Acting. So again, that was a real passion of mine was to, it was to look at those opportunities for those people who want to enter the industry but who could not afford a training or, or you know, I, I think back to my time when I was younger and um, thought I wanted to be an actor. Um, and I remember auditioning for drama school and I was in my garden shed um, doing a, a terrible rendition of a Brutus speech in, a, in, a, uh, in a, a British accent or what I thought was a posh British accent because at the time the only Shakespeare I'd ever seen was in school watching those old BBC videos where we, they would do those like <laughs> when they would do a soliloquy the camera would zoom up really close into their, their face um, and they'd kind of whisper into it um, yeah, and yeah and I remember going up to Dublin really nervous and doing a terrible audition. Um, you know, I, I'm from a council estate in Ireland. I'm not from a theatrical family. Um, my parents never went to the theatre. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money at all. And uh, I think part of what I'm trying to do really is um, mend those mistakes that might have existed back when I was younger. I, I often look back at my younger self and go, oh, wow, if there was a programme which we're calling the Elevate Ensemble that I could have joined and it was completely free. Um, and when they come to the theatre, uh, you get fed. So we're going to feed them when they arrive uh, and really support them over those number of years. Like that would have been absolutely amazing. And possibly, I don't know whether I would have got into drama school, but those things just weren't available to, to me. And partly I think that is to do with the area and the country I grew up in. Um, but also I think, you know, as we know across Britain, you know, um, we really need to provide those opportunities and, and access to young people from working class backgrounds. And I, I'm never afraid of using the term working class. Um, I, 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 there is slightly that term has kind of fallen off the radar a bit, but I, I do describe this as, a, as an offer for all you know working class communities from whatever background you're from um, to access the industry. Um, and I think we need um, 
you know, we need a lot more diversity in the industry, but we also need like a lot of more working class, you know, actors from working class backgrounds. You know, there's been a, a, a lot of articles over the years talking about, you know, actors entering the industry and we know the cost of it. So I think it's, a, it's about breaking down the cost, but also it's around the experience and the choice of speeches and, and, and just growing that confidence to become a young actor. Like a lot of drama schools talk about this quite a lot about being ready to go to drama school. Um, and what we're trying to do with that program is, you know, create an environment where they do feel confident and they do feel more ready, like they understand it a bit more. So the program, you know, we're going to take them up into the drama schools um, where they can visit them um, where they can see them, you know, and really just, yeah, break down as many barriers as we can, which I think um, essentially uh, places that young person in a position where they feel really confident and strong go, you know what, if this is something I really want to do, actually now I feel really ready for it. And it won't be uh, my, you know, looking back to me and doing a, a, a terrible audition piece in your garden shed that no one, no one ever saw. I, I totally understand I, uh, where you're coming with that. I myself uh, thought about auditioning for drama school and spent a lot of time on my own learning speeches and preparing things. And then when I looked into the auditions, being told particular Shakespeare monologues that were required that needed to be done and not knowing the plays and not having that. We talk in schools now about this cultural capital thing. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I was a working class boy growing up in Southampton and uh, so an opportunity like you're talking about would have been uh, fantastic for me when I uh, finished my GCSEs or when I started my A-levels. Uh, that sounds a really amazing opportunity for, for young people. So you say 15 young people is it over two years you'd be with working with them? Yeah, right? so what we're going to do is we're going to launch it uh, in the next few months. Um, it's up to 15 young people there's places for. We're going to be working very closely with schools. So the idea, the idea in my head really is that teachers would identify young people in their schools who they think actually have a real talent um, and possibly don't have the resources or the funding to go to like a Saturday school or pay to go to a youth theatre. Um, and the teachers then would sit down with the young person, fill out the form. There is some criteria in the form, um, but we really want them to make the case for it. And then what we will do is we will come out into the schools, meet those young people, run some workshops in their schools so they kind of get to know us and understand what it's all about. And then as part of that workshop program, then we recruit from there. I think what we don't want to do is kind of replicate a kind of an X Factor style audition, you know, which is what, that's a barrier we're trying to rip down. Mm -hmm. And it, it would seem nonsensical to set up that barrier from the start. So I think how we engage with those young people from the start, and this is really around like referrals from teachers, um, or it could be any other youth groups, you know, where they see, mm -hmm. I think it's just finding that kind of rough diamond where they see something in somebody and they suggest, hey, this might be a program for you. And then we will kind of hopefully connect with them, meet them that way, and then br and bring them into the theatre. I think it's really important for us is to go out and do that out in the community. So we're not expecting people to come and, you know, walk into the theatre, which can be really daunting if you've never been there before. Like, because, um, you know, a theatre and a theatre building has all those 
connotations, you know. I mean, I remember, um, again, when I was younger in, in Waterford, there was a really amazing amateur theatre festival in, a, in, in the city, which was 10 miles away from me. It was called the Waterford Light Opera Festival. And you would have companies from... Uh, from Ireland, but also you'd have companies from England come over uh, and some, sometimes um, some European ones come over. And um, I, this was before the internet was around. Um, so what I used to do, there was about 12 shows in the festival. So each night a new show and, and it was all part of the competition. So I used to go in and buy five pound tickets and I would always choose a show that I never heard of. Um, and it was a really way of, you know, introducing myself to lots of different theatre. And one of my most unforgettable experiences I've ever had in the theatre was watching a production of Sweeney Todd that came over from a, a British theatre company. I never, never knew what Sweeney Todd was. And as I said, there was no internet to look anything up. So I would just turn up. Um, and when I used to turn up at those theatres, like, you know, I'd go in, I'd be very nervous because all the people in the building weren't like me and I was on my own and I felt like I was different to them. And there was something a bit intimidating going in there. About, and I used to hate the pre-show and I used to hate the interval because that's when everyone was having chats and I was, I just didn't feel, you know, like them. So I think, too, I'm kind of digressing, but like, on the point of going into the building, I think that's important, but I, I suppose just to continue the story about Sweeney Todd and that experience was, um, I just never seen anything like it. I remember the first few seconds of the show where, and Sweeney was in a trap. Um, and do you know the, the, start of the, the start of that kind of opening number and there's this kind of really, it's like a, a sharp whistle goes off three times. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there was three massive shocks with the third one was this Sweeney Todd um, appearing from the from the, the pit. And I've never seen anyone do that mm -hmm. before. And it was all lit underneath. So within a minute, I was just absolutely hooked. I was, what is this show? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I'll always remember the guy who played Sweeney Todd, a guy called Simon Theobald. I never, I don't know, never met him, don't know what he's doing now or whatever but it was just incredible. And I think it's interesting about like the building of the theater, like the physical building of what's gone there. And then the point when the lights go down and you then don't, well, I then didn't worry about who I was and where I was from uh, and just immersed yourself in that amazing theater experience. And there's a, the, the writer, Alfred Jarry, who wrote uh, Ubu Rai, um, the quote from him which is like um you walk into the theater as an individual and you exit as an audience and i always remember that quote about like when you leave and i do feel that like something's changed within you and actually you're part of that collective audience and it's i a do, shared experience yeah that shared experience and, and i i i do you know look back to those going to that Warford light opera festival and all those shows that I experienced, um, but I, I always felt something when I left the venue. It just made me feel something um, that no other form did. Uh, are you somebody that wanted to escape Ireland? Yeah, like when I was young, I, when I was a teenager, I just wanted to get out of my town. 
that was the and I love my town now as an adult going back but that yeah. was my big driver and um I thought I wanted to be an actor I knew very little and had very little information on anything um but I knew I wanted to leave and I, I did audition for that drama school I told you about there was at the time there was only one actor training at, in Ireland at the time it was at Trinity College and my best friend a guy called Matt Dunphy uh, who's a great friend of mine still he got into Trinity College uh, on the acting course and he's an amazing young actor also from a working class background both of us and so he got in there which was amazing and then I went for some other courses in Dublin but and I got in but I don't know, I just wanted to, you know, uh, play on my own furrow. And um, the career guidance guy in school, we had this lovely guy um, called Pierce Walsh, who was just an amazing, lovely man. Because um, in, in Ireland, still today, like drama is not part of the curriculum. So we, so we never did drama in school. But um, he was a guy who you went to. And if you said to him, like, I, I want to be a WWF wrestler, he would find out how you go about doing it. You know, again, there was no internet. So it was like, yeah. he, and so I remember going to him and said, look, I want to study drama. And, but I, you know, I don't know where to go. There's, no, there's nowhere in Ireland, you know, and I wanted to do a degree as well. Um, and then he said, there's a place in Wales called Aberystwyth. It's by the sea. It's very like the town I'm from, which is Tremor by the sea. And uh, I don't even remember back in the day, remember those UCAS books were like, yeah. the, they were like bricks. And, yeah. and I remember just flying through one of them, found Aberystwyth because he said it, applied there and I got in, there was no audition. I was like, mm. oh great. And I went over for a visit and just fell in love with it. It was a really small seaside town. And for, to answer your question, I was like, that was a driver was to get away from Ireland, you know, get away from mm. Tremor. Because um, I just wanted to, I wanted to kind of find an experience myself. Um, and it just really suited me. Like, it's a, But it wasn't like, too different from what you were used to in the seaside town. But just yeah. different, just that boat trip or whatever it was you took, it, it, that, that was enough of an escape for you. Without a doubt, like I look back now, like I, mean, I have spent 14 years in London before coming here. Like if I landed in London, there's no way I would have survived. So Aberystwyth was like completely right. But also it was a, it's kind of a magical place, right? Because it's the end of the train line. There's nothing else there. There's two students to every local. So, it's, you know, every every place is a student place, which is great. But there was a, a thing called the Centre for Performance Research there. And there was a guy called Mike Pearson, who sadly passed away this year, who was who ran a course called Performance Studies, which was about performance art, really, about like telling stories in different ways. And in my first year, I signed up for a drama degree and there was this international festival that the Centre Performance Research were doing. And we had to go see some of the shows. And there was a show there in the Art Centre called... Um, uh, I'm probably not going to get this wrong, but it's like something like La Trangement Derrienne, which was a French piece of theatre. Um, and I didn't know what the hell this was about, but it kind of chimes back to my Waterford festival days. 
So I went in and it was a non-verbal, there was no text in it, and it was on a revolve, and these and these actors just pushed the revolve for the whole piece and loads of physical action. There was a caravan on stage, and at one point uh, actors came out naked and all these showers went on them. And it was really, really bonkers. Like I had never ever seen anything like that in my life, but I just got really intrigued and interested by it and I remember Mike Pearson doing his first lecture um, and we were in this big lecture theatre and he turned off all the lights and Mike Pearson is a very tall uh, bald man very striking looking and he just leaned into the microphone and said um, men sometimes do this and then showed this video like for five minutes of all this mad bonkers um, performance stuff that men do and I was like this is absolutely I don't understand it but I'm just really interested in it and then have haven't seen the show and Mike said to the because he was recruiting for the because in the second year you can kind of you know you choose then as we know the, la the last two years your degree or actually your degree mm -hmm. and he was recruiting people to do performance studies so I signed up um, to do a joint honours. There was like 15 of us. And then I was in with like, in performance studies, you were in with artists, so people who were studying, you know, fine art. And um, you were in with photography students, you were in with some music students, you were in with um, some English students. Um, so I had this real, there was 15 of us and it was a real interesting mix. And what I started learning in there was about why we do it what are we what are we making who are we making it for and what impact are we trying to communicate um, and it was very different to the drama degree that was very straight drama but again it was just it, it was a chance like my life I think is in my theatre life has been made up of loads of chances that I that I kind of took that came my way and it was a right decision and I just started making really bonkers performance art I remember my, my final piece, I did a piece um, about Bobby Sands, which was an, uh, an IRA hunger striker, um, who was the first guy to die on the hunger strikes in 1981. And I was trying to communicate, I was trying to question um, what, what can you do where you do nothing, but uh, it, it creates destruction in your life, if, if you mm. get me. And I ended up coming up with the concept of, I kind of lay in this room and in the room was a mattress, a blanket and a Bible, because that's always in his room. I didn't go completely naked because I wasn't brave enough. I just wore a pair of shorts. And I had 66 bags of, of, um, of soil because he lasted 60, 66 days on hunger strike. And I lay on the floor telling stories about things I did in my past that, um, caused destruction to me whatever that meant while another uh friend of mine who's on the course uh who's also irish um was pouring the bags of soil on me so by the end i was completely buried in the soil and I, it sounds a bit bonkers but it actually um it was actually a really interesting way of making theater it opened my mind to what theater can be and how we can interact with audiences in a very, very different way. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I've been very lucky that I've ended up directing lots of theatre through my, through my role 
you know, directing with the community, also professional work, making theatre for children work. But that experience has also trained me how to, you know, um, explore how an audience may interact with, with a performance and, and what we can do to explore and express that. Um, so, yeah, it was a really good time. And yeah, you're right. It was it was uh, the big driver was to get away from Ireland. Um, but I was quite lucky, I think, in terms of what I experienced. So then there was the draw of London. Was there after Aberystwyth? No, I ended up actually, I, I went back to Cardiff. I did a teacher training course. So I, I, I done that classic thing where after university, you go back home. Um, and I was like, I was back in my parents' house in the box room. <laughs> like having done this mad performance art degree and a traditional drama degree going, there's no work. What am I going to do? So I... I did do some performance stuff and wrote wrote my own one man play and toured that around and did some work with like a, a theatre company the TIE and stuff. It was great, but it wasn't really you know it it wasn't really fulfilling me. So I wanted to get back out and I decided I'll do teacher training, but I wanted to do it in FE and there was a course in Cardiff and I got into that. So I knew I was going in September to that. So it was the summertime in Ireland, and I was like, what will I do? Um, and in the local paper, this is again shows the age, uh, there was an advert for the youth theatre in Waterford, which is the city next door. They were doing a summer project where they were putting on a play. And I said, OK, I'm going to go in and ask them, do they want a hand? Um, and I went in, went upstairs, didn't really know the guy who ran it. I said, look, I'm finished this degree. I'm heading back to, uh, to Wales, September to do teacher training. I can offer my services to help in any way for free. And then he said, okay, that's great. He said, do you want to assist and direct the play? And I was like, wow. So it's going back to my thing about like, you know, <laughs> taking a chance on something. So I was like, yeah, I, I would love that. And it was, a, it was a, a, summer, a full production over six weeks through we rehearsing, but it was working with a writer, a guy um, called Jim Daly, who's again, sadly passed away. He was much older than me, Jim. He was in his, I would say he's in his late 50s at the time and he smoked a pipe and he was an amazing storyteller. He was a great character. And um, so I just really started jumping in about what we're going to do. And we, we kind of decided like what we were going to do is to tell, to create a, a piece of theatre about suicide. I know it's a really heavy topic and we didn't want to approach it in a heavy way. But at the time in Ireland, there was more young people dying from suicide than there was in, in road accidents. There was a real, real problem, you know, and Ireland as a society, and it's much improved now, but a lot about just people not, not speaking up. And you know, I know mental health, rightly so now, is on the agenda. But back when we, when we were younger, Carol, mm. I, I, no one ever used the term mental health. No. Um, so we just kind of started exploring this, and I, I really got into it. And I spent a week into the project um, and I got a phone call in the morning and the guy who was running the uh, youth theatre and it was meant to be directing the play said to me, look, I've been really impressed with you this last week. Do you want to direct it? Now, I think he did that also because I don't think he wanted to do it. But again, it was just an amazing offer. And I yeah. said 100 percent. And I just rolled my sleeves up and me working with Jim and also an amazing sound designer created this piece of theatre called Snapped. Um, and it was incredible. 
it was an incredible experience and it was a really life-changing experience for me because doing that production I then a light bulb went on in my head I went this is what I want to do I want to work with young people create theatre with them but that theatre you know needs to have like the same standards as you would expect any other production to have. It just happens to be you're working with young people. And I really enjoyed the collaborative process of working with a writer in the room uh, and working with a sound designer and a set designer and creating this kind of piece from kind of scratch. Um, and that would not have happened if I hadn't gone in and just ask them you know and when I meet lots of young people and we talk about how do you get into theatre how do you you know how does it all happen there isn't any magic formula there really isn't but what I always recommend them is go and just have a conversation with them if you're lucky enough to have a venue so like you know in Southampton now where I am we've got two um go and have a conversation with someone yeah. and you'll never ever know what that might lead to and, and, you know, I look back on my career so far, like I've, I've been doing this, you know, nearly 20 years. And a lot of it stems back to me just going in and having that conversation that day, because I probably would have never had that experience, therefore, and mm -hmm. never would have realized, oh, this is something for me. And so what I try to do, Carol, is, is now replicate that, because because I'm in the position now mm -hmm. where I can, uh, you know, I, I'm for all the world a doorkeeper, you know, yeah. um, or, or lead a team who, who are. And, and one thing I communicate quite a lot is that, like, you know, we need to be offering those opportunities yeah. to young people. These opportunities are there. If you're in the room, you've been, you've been, you've been invited into the room or you, you've been brave enough to open the door and go in and put yourself out there. I think that's something that we need to teach our young people, you know, be brave. Yeah, without yeah. a day, and, and you never know what tomorrow tomorrow is going to bring, you know. And also, you know, you can kind of influence that in a way. You know, you have got, you know, what's great over in this country is, you know, there's a lot of a lot of theatre venues, a lot of you know other organisations who are, and and really young people are pushing at open doors, you know, because mm. I, I always say to young people like, if you go in and have a conversation with somebody working in a participation department within within a theatre they will definitely see you, see themselves in you, mm. you know, because this is how we all got into it ourselves, was around some adults creating some programme that um, existed in order to benefit you. Mm. And, and, you know, if you're asking, you know, I, I would like to get experience in X, Y and Z, then, you know, any theatre venue worth its salt should be providing those opportunities for young people. Like, mm. I, I'm currently writing the... Um, the business strategy for the next three years in Southampton. And one area that I'm looking at is this notion of a teaching theatre. So we know like what a teaching hospital is. Um, and it's really kind of borrowing from that because what we have in venues is, and we do have down here in our two venues, you know, is a lot of people with a lot of experience, you know, who have worked in, worked in theatre for a long time and have learned a lot, you know, and so I'm trying to develop a strategy where we then open doors to young people in order to share that experience, really. So it's kind of like, you know, the, mm. the workforce of today is, will help create the workforce of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. and, and also, I think people should always have to leave their city 
to, to, no. to do some to go somewhere you can if you want like me I wanted to go but maybe if there was mm. opportunities in Waterford for me at the time I might have stayed there just mm. wasn't and um, maybe I wouldn't but but looking at like you know the costs of going off and training yeah. and and um you know university and being in debt or out of it I mean my my thing and it's where I'm trying to develop this teaching theater uh, initiative is that like actually it could be a consideration that people you know can learn from the expertise of the people in 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 their in their building like you know if, if you look at the old rep model yeah exactly what I was thinking right that, that's yeah that was the model you know before drama mm -hmm. schools people you know they were second spear carrier to the left you know mm. and then they learned through that model and then you know they became performers or stage yeah. managers um or you know designers lighting designers whatever that is so really i'm you know it is at the beginning i'm at the beginning of looking at okay what would that look like and also then building a strategy for that over the next yeah. three years you know so year one will be stuff around you know and um, careers days like a, um like a, an intensive work experience project and um, having a production arts company where they're learning from from um mm -hmm. from experienced staff but then i think what i'd like it to build towards is actual actual paid work you know mm -hmm. so move into a model of like you know paid internships and um, uh, apprenticeships and um, real pathways into the industry one area that we're really suffering from the moment is around uh technical staff yeah um a lot of them are uh, after covid or um so, some have left um just it's not for them the the, the work in uh, your day-to-day -day work in life was like they they actually found out you know what well, actually i could pr my work in life is slightly better if i do something else and, and they might mm. have done that during covid but also we're losing a lot of them to tv you know the growth of netflix netflix um, we're losing lots of skilled staff within the theatre and, and I know there's a pay relation to that as, as well it might get paid better in Netflix but you know one thing I'd like to explore really is about you know that route to employment um, and that could happen in your city um, yeah. you know we're also looking at stuff which we're kind of doing at the moment now is we're looking at our oldest youth theatre and uh, we're creating opportunities for them to learn about facilitation so they would um, they would then facilitate, you know, assist and facilitate on the junior youth theatre. Yeah. So it's go it goes back to those like opportunities. And I yeah. think, you know, if you can um, present young people with a, a wide range of opportunities, then like you'll never know that, you know, that could be the catalyst of the thing that actually mm. changed their life or, or actually opened the door or consideration to something yeah. they might want to study later. I think the work that you're doing with with us at Open Drama and collaborating to invite 60 drama teachers into the space in January is really exciting as well. And I think all the ideas that you're talking about that day is going to be a really great opportunity to share some of your ideas. So some of your plans for MAST and for the future and, and how that can then we can then send that back to our young people in schools. I, I mean, you're. Your, your idea for the, the the 15 young people to support them is is wonderful and then linking that to potential courses or potential qualifications that they could offer as a as a, as a teaching theatre I'm really excited by those ideas they sound really interesting 
Yeah, like for, for, for me, you know, teachers are so important, you know, um, in, in lots of different ways. You know, if you, again, look at people in industry, you know, whether they're famous actors, designers, directors, most of them will always refer back to some inspiring teacher who um, introduced them to something they never considered before. Um, and, you know, I, I personally really, really value teachers. Um, I've worked with teachers, you know, for, for years. Um, and my first relationship with open drama really was that Mousetrap Theatre Project where, right, where I led specifically on a schools programme. Um, and I understand, I think, the pressures that the teachers are under. And I think venues and, you know, people who run participation programmes from venues really need to understand that, about how you communicate to teachers. Um, and what are the needs, the needs of teachers? And I think, um, again, you know, one of the first things, you know, I did down here, as you know, was met with you, found out who is the open drama champions in the area. Um, and the first thing we spoke about, wasn't it, was like a conference. And I went, let's just do it. Let's just make it happen. Um, so we're really delighted that our first drama teacher conference will be in Mast in uh, January 13th. Um, and you're right, you know, it's about, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach. One, I think, is offering those teachers really good CPD opportunity. One thing we can bring to them in uh, Mass Mayflower is around our partnerships with Frantic. And we're, we're, we're at the beginning of, of a really interesting conversation with Kerry Frampton at Splendid, uh, who's going to be there on the day. But, I, but we're beginning to talk about something that could happen. And I didn't know at the time that Kerry is from Southampton, which was a really pleasant surprise. As I said to you, like one big core mission of mine is, is around, you know, those young people from so-called disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, I know that term is not a great term, but, you know, people who don't possibly would not seek out those opportunities them, themselves. And it is those teachers that is the mm. real conduit um, to begin to talk to those young people. Because I think there's definitely a thing around trust. I think if we just rocked in and met some young people and yeah. said, here's what we're doing, come down. I, I think they might not trust us, you know, no. where I think that's where the teachers come in really important is yeah. to build, build that trust up with those students. And that's why I think the process of, you know, looking at the Elevate Ensemble of moving through a referral system where a teacher says to a young person, look, you know what? I completely believe in you. I think you've got this real talent. Yeah. And what and all this is, is an opportunity for you. You, you don't have to pay any any cost, you know, um, and um, I, I will support you in, in getting there. And, you know, I, I go back to my story, you know, about, you know, that career guidance teacher. I remember like um, when I was auditioning, uh, he was like, oh, you can do it in front of me in his office. And it was him and the French teacher there. They knew nothing about drama or theatre. Yeah. And I was stood up on a chair singing empty chairs and empty tables <laughs> and, and them saying, hey, that was really good. So like teachers, you know, it's all those extra things that teachers do, like all the extra hours, those extra little projects, those little moments where they've, you know, encouraged a young person and maybe gave them a play to read that they might not have considered reading and, you know, those are just really important interactions in, in those young people's lives yeah. and, and that's why you know uh, always I've, you know in my, in my work in venues you know but even more so now Carl is where I think the relationship with teachers is is really really important yeah. um, 
and te teachers should feel again that their local theatre is providing stuff for them you yes. know that they feel that they've got a relationship with the schools and I think us who work in participatory arts um, you know we you know we we really have to make sure that we are staying relevant for the education sector that we're not we're not um introverted you know yeah. that we are really talking to teachers listening to teachers true mm. teachers forums but also you know true open drama is what i love is the fact it's teacher led it, it comes mm. from teachers by teachers for teachers um, yeah. and that's that's really really powerful and you know working with you guys in london but also when i came to southampton i was like it was just easy for me i went right who do i get in touch with straight away get in touch with open drama had holly's email and i went okay holly you know who were the local champions and and you know and then as we've said you know we had a meeting within a couple of weeks um, mm. and now we've have a really exciting conference happening and again that wouldn't happen if that relationship wasn't strong no absolutely and uh, open drama we're looking to to build strong relationships like we we built with you um elsewhere to continue that good work of opening doors for young people and 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 just not pushing them but just showing them the doors guiding them open those doors and and sort of you know maybe holding their hand and helping them through um and i think that's what we do as teachers as you know we mentor we we look out for and you know we just try and guide our young people down down the, the right path to them and um, patrick's been absolute pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. Thank you for all the work you're doing, Southampton. I look forward to seeing you in January for the conference. I'm very much looking forward to the conference and I'm also looking forward to just continuing this really excellent relationship we've got uh, between Open Drama and, and Mast and Mayflower uh, for the future. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Carol. And um, thank you to Open Drama. And I look forward to welcoming all those teachers who are coming down in January. Uh, and what we, you know, we're already now preparing the following year where we're hoping it's going to be a bigger event and we will, we will have more places for teachers. And um, so we look forward to inviting you all down to Southampton uh, and to meeting you all in person on the day. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed this month's episode and we look forward to seeing many of you in person next month at Mars Studios for our Illuminate conference. If you can't make it, keep your eyes peeled for more details about other events coming soon too. At Open Drama UK, we do everything voluntarily to support you. If you can support us, please do so by sharing our content with others, donating via Patreon or buy us a coffee via buymeacoffee.com forward slash half hour call. Until next year.